Did Meta block Alberta Premier Danielle Smith from posting on Facebook? Experts wonder why the Trudeau government didn't pull out of the China-led Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank sooner. The head of Calgary's Black Lives Matter movement has been charged with a hate crime. And Canadians are not happy with the current approach governments are taking to address the rising issues of crime and addiction. Hello Canada, it's Friday, June 16th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Andrew Lawton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The company that runs Facebook, Meta, is disputing Alberta Premier Danielle Smith's claims that she was blocked from posting on the social media site. In a post to Twitter on Wednesday, Smith said Facebook had temporarily banned her from posting, writing, quote, Big tech and government censorship is becoming a danger to free speech around the world. But Meta says Smith's account was never locked, and instead that one administrator on her account faced restrictions. A Meta spokesperson said, quote, There were no restrictions placed on the premier's page. One of the page's administrators, one of the page's administrators faced restrictions, but that did not impact the underlying page's ability to post content. Shortly after reporters posted screenshots of Meta's response, Smith announced that she had once again gained access to her Facebook account. She wrote, quote, happy to report my page is able to post on Facebook again. This was the error that appeared on my page. I hope this is the last time it happens. The post included a screenshot from Facebook that reads, sorry, you can't post to Facebook from this account. For security reasons, your account has limited access to the site for a few days. The Premier's office did not respond to a request for clarification from True North about whether her account was in fact blocked at any time. Andrew, this is a bit of a silly, interesting story that's been dominating headlines in Alberta over the last day. It actually doesn't look like the Premier was blocked at any point. It does look like one of the administrators faced restrictions and maybe said, oh guys, I think we need to create a post on Twitter about this, make it known that we've been blocked. So I doubt this was actually, you know, the Premier's fault. I think it was probably whoever was running her Facebook account, maybe didn't know what they were facing. Although there's always the possibility that Meta is lying here. What's your take, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, I, I think it could just be a miscommunication that, you know, the screenshot that the premier saw made its way around her office and there was a belief that the page itself had been restricted. And I don't know how. I mean, I've seen people get all sorts of error messages and have no idea what's true and what's not and how things work. So there is a more innocent explanation here. But as you know, there is also uh, on either side of this, the possibility that either Meta is being dishonest or that the Premier's office has blown this out of proportion in a way that isn't necessarily reflective of the reality. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Following Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland's announcement that Canada would halt payments to the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank pending a review, experts are wondering why it took so long to get out of this China-led project. 
According to Monk Senior Fellow of Economics at the Macdonald-Laurie Institute and former Statistics Canada Chief Economic Analyst Philip Cross, the bank has always been a tool to advance the Chinese Communist Party's political and economic goals. Cross told True North, frankly, right off the bat, you wonder why it was Canada supporting an attempt by the Chinese to wrestle some control or leadership of the global economy from the Americans. According to Cross, Canadians can expect that the review of the China-led bank will be internal and likely not make it into public committees, but a halt of activity would mean that Canada stops its $40 million annual payments to the bank, I think making it one of the largest contributors to the bank, certainly from Western countries. Uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau signed on to the bank in 2018 and has had Freeland sit as a governor on the board of directors. According to a statement released by Freeland on Wednesday, the decision to launch a review was prompted by by the resignation of former AIIB Global Communications Chief Bob Picard, who accused the bank of being dominated by Chinese communist influence. According to Picard, the bank was completely taken over by CCP officials, and some members of the board of directors have been used as, quote, useful idiots, unquote, by the Chinese regime. So this is a, an odd one for me, because I, I've known of these issues for quite a while when I was digging into China's Belt and Road Initiative. Anyone who has followed this knows that this is the case. So why is everyone acting so surprised? Well, I don't think that the Trudeau government is surprised. I think that their reaction here is a response to the public outcry that arose after Bob Picard resigned. And this is very typical with a liberal government. It's the same thing that we're seeing with Paul Bernardo. It seems very likely that Marco Mendicino knew that Paul Bernardo was being transferred before it happened well in advance. And if he didn't know, his office certainly didn't know. And yet... Once that revelation comes out and there's public outcry, the government is suddenly decrying that move to transfer Bernardo to a medium security prison and saying they're looking into what they can do, which again, if it hadn't become public or if it's been all done under secret, I don't know that there ever would have been a response to us. So it seems like just another example of this government reacting to things that we would all expect would be taken care of well in advance. Yeah, and I find the timing a little bit interesting here. And and even Bob Picard, I, I don't know Bob. I've corresponded with him on Twitter in the past. Uh, you know, you have to wonder where his breaking point was in this. Because again, all of these critiques of the institution, of this bank, are not new. But one day he just up and decides, you know what? I think the CCP is a little too powerful here. The head of Calgary's Black Lives Matter movement has been charged with a hate crime for allegedly blocking access to a Catholic school. On June 2, Adora Norfor was charged with mischief in connection with a May 26 incident for allegedly willfully obstructing and interfering with the use of a property primarily used for religious worship and educational purposes. Court records allege she interfered with people's use of St. Thomas Aquinas School on 26th Avenue Southwest for reasons of bias prejudice, or hate based on race or ethnic origin. Norfor, 47, is president of Black Lives Matter YYC. Two months ahead of her charges, she tweeted, she quote, will never stop being bitter about my black girl experience in Calgary. I don't see black people, and if I do, they don't feel safe due to blackness. Systemic oppression ain't stopped winning. I won't stop interrupting it. Norfor appeared before a justice of the peace on June 2 over video and was released on a non-cash bail with conditions she have no contact with staff and faculty from St. Thomas. She is also barred from going within 100 meters of the school. 
So Andrew, obviously, you know, a lot of details we're still waiting to hear. I assume those will come out in court later today. But we're seeing this trend where Black Lives Matter was really prominent about two years ago during the COVID-19 pandemic. And in recent years, a lot of really condemning allegations have come forth about them. For example, just the amount of money that they are spending on mansions. We also know that Candace Owens did her, you know, very successful documentary unpeeling some of the layers behind it. And what was found was not flattering. Do you think that this could signal an end in Black Lives Matter if these types of accusations are continuing to come forth? Or do you think supporters of the organization will always sweep the problems under the rug? Well, I think there are two BLMs. There's the the broader movement, the people that show up at protests and wave their placards and align generally with what the BLM cause is or, or what they think the BLM cause is. And then there's the organizations themselves, the local chapters, the national chapters. And it, it's in those organizations that we've seen just complete and utter chaos. You know, you've seen these internal schisms, you've seen these power struggles, you've seen millions of dollars in, in property acquisition. And even at the local level in Calgary, you now have uh, this controversy involving uh, Adora Newfor. And the thing that I find interesting about this is that really BLM is the cautionary tale of a lot of these activist groups becoming what they claim they oppose and what they claim to hate. And I think that's really what we see here. We're, We're talking about if the allegations are true, a hate crime. This is a hate crime targeting a Catholic school, St. Thomas Aquinas, but it is nonetheless the allegation of behavior that would never fly if someone were to do the same thing at a black community center. So I think some perspective is important here. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. A new Leger poll commissioned by Post Media reveals that Canadians at large are dissatisfied with the current approach of their governments to address the rising issues of crime and addiction. This poll surveyed 1,500 Canadians in the first week of June and found that most Canadians actually want more aggressive measures to deal with violent offenders, drug traffickers, and those suffering from addiction. According to the poll, 79% of Canadians agree there are too many repeat offenders being offered bail, and 78% agree that the justice system is too lenient on those who commit violent crimes. 91% of Canadians polled agreed that repeat violent offenders should have their access to bail severely restricted or revoked, while nearly three-quarters said the same, even if it would lead to challenges on the interpretation and application of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, Canadians want violent crime like murder and assault to be the top priority for government decision-makers to tackle when it comes to crime in Canada, followed by illegal firearm possession and then drug and substance abuse. Now, on the issue of involuntary treatment programs, this has been recently promoted by Alberta Premier Danielle 
Smith. 71% of Canadians agree that involuntary treatment programs are appropriate where seriously addicted individuals are concerned. So that, I think, is a bit interesting there. And this is probably, Rachel, one of the biggest situations where there's a mismatch between how ordinary Canadians view this and, and how they're sort of told by elites and a lot of the political class and the media to think about it. Looking at this, I'm seeing reflective as a way that I myself feel. I think it's also reflective of the uptick in criminal activity that we're seeing also represented in news articles. People definitely recognize that their streets aren't as safe as they once were, and they are wanting the governments to take action on that and to make the streets safe again. Very simple stuff here. The Liberal government hasn't been focused on this, but I think it's time for them to turn some attention to this. Also, again, when we look at this addictions program, it is really interesting. I suspect that's legislation that we're going to see tabled when the government returns here in Alberta, probably October, maybe November. But, you know, it could be coming at some point this year. And I know a lot of conservatives were very hesitant to support this legislation because they don't really like the government having... They don't like the idea of the government having control over involuntary treatment. So there's definitely still a lot of questions to be answered, but I think it's an interesting idea and definitely one worth discussing more. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.